good afternoon, my renegade. Wow, okay. I was not ready. <laughs> good afternoon, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and let's do Rogue News. Why not? Why not? Just, you know, because what I, I haven't done that in a while. And, yeah, I'm gonna hopefully update the pedophiles uh, segment. There are a few people that I want to talk about, but, you know, I, I don't want to get arrested. So, we'll see how that works out later on in the week. As always, let's just get into the politics. Let's get it over with. Yeah. Okay, first up in politics. Last time I could not even read because my tongue was in the way. I don't even know how I do that. But let's read some stuff. Why not? Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. No Republicans will support Biden infrastructure plan. Okay, well, let's find out why. Okay. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican from Kentucky, said he does not expect any Republican to support Joe Biden's sweeping infrastructure package. During a press conference in Kentucky on Monday, he indicated conservatives are standing firm by the $568 billion counteroffer, which is focused on transportation infrastructure over the next five years. Uh, this comes as opposed to what they call a grab bag of tax increases and commercial spending proposed by Biden. Uh, McConnell said unlike the Democrats' plan, the GOP's plan would not revisit the 2017 tax bill to pay for it. We are open to uh, doing roughly $600 billion package with deals, or which deals with what all of us agree is infrastructure, he stated, and to talk about how to pay for that in any way other than uh, reopening 2017 tax reform bill, which I believe and my, all my members believe that created, or what created as a, as of February 2020, the best economy in 50 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, McConnell added, Republicans uh, would be willing to go slightly higher on the bill if it focused on traditional infrastructure. McConnell tweeted, uh, Republicans have responded to Democrats' infrastructure bill with a smart proposal to, to meet real needs. Roads, bridges, uh, ports, airports, waterways, broadband. Are Democrats ready to work together or was the infrastructure just wrapping paper for more gifts to the far left? Meanwhile, Shelley Moore, Republican senator from West Virginia, is leading negotiations on the GOP's counteroffer. She said she hopes to uh, come to an agreement with the White House uh, and other Democrats in Congress. I think if you take on apples-to-apples apples comparison of the president's plan and our plan, he's not up 
to into the two trillions when you're looking a physical core and I don't understand let me read this again I'm so sorry I think if you take an apples to apples comparison of the president's plan and our plan he's not up to the two trillions uh, when you're looking at a physical core infrastructure uh, she explained and so that's where I think our starting point is Capito oh her oh it's Shelley Moore Capito excuse me uh, Capito went on to say that she thinks there's a real hunger in both the country and Congress for compromise and she tweets I had a had a conservative and sub substantive call with POTUS, I think that's how you say it, or P-O-T-U-S, about infrastructure, we both expressed our mutual desire to work together and deliver results for the American people. I stand ready to be a partner in advancing bipartisan infrastructure legislation, just as we have done in the past. Yeah. Okay, let's see what else we can find on OAN News. Okay, yes. Donald Trump, our true president. Uh, from the desk of Donald J. Trump goes live on the internet. Awesome. Donald Trump has launched a new website to deliver the latest updates from his office to the American people. The new communications platform launched Tuesday and its design is reminiscent of the president's Twitter account. Nice. Which was banned by Big Tech in early 2021. Someone said Jack I don't know what his last name is. Jack Posebiek. <laughs> he says Trump is back in blog form. Nice. I need to go and just subscribe. I do. I have to. Um, the website is called From the Desk of Donald J. Trump. The president has posted statements and opinions on the state of the U.S. affairs to advocate this his Save America program. A supporter holds... Oh, okay, yeah. They have, like, pictures of people, and then they have, like, how they um, describe what the picture is about, and that kind of throws me off. President Trump says the website will develop as a beacon of free speech, although it doesn't appear to work as a social media platform as of now. It's still in a working progress. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm really happy that... Um, President Trump is starting to um, figure out what he can do with social media now that he's banned on every platform, which I find very disgusting. Um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram really need to stop being dictators. Yeah, that's what I said. What the heck are you going to do about it? Alright, this next one, let's read it. Let's read it. 
It says, Rep Scalis, Americans are rejecting socialism. Yes, they are. This was uh, Tuesday, May 4th, 2021. This was posted. Uh, according to House My Minority, Whip Steve Scalis, a uh, Republican from Louisiana, uh, the special election in Texas confirms America is rejecting socialism. During an interview Monday, the representative said Americans are responding to the Republican congressional candidates. This comes after residents of Texas, Texas's 6th district uh, voted favorably for GOP candidate Susan Wright after the weekend uh, to fill her late husband's seat in the House. Additionally, Republicans flipped 10 House seats in 2020 in turn, shrinking Democrats' control of the lower chamber. That's what I'm talking about. Let's see. What I see across the country is dramatic enthusiasm for the Republican Party and a lot of really, really serious concern about the direction that the Socialist Democrats are taking us, uh, stated the minority whip. I want to say majority for some reason. Um, whether it's Nancy Pelosi's agenda now, Biden has embraced that far-left Bernie Sanders agenda um, people don't want to, people don't want this because a social, because it, let me read this correctly. People don't want this to become a socialist nation. Scalas tweets last night, it was just more empty rhetoric from Biden who already caved to the socialists and pushed America to the far left. In Biden's America, the border is open, very dangerous. Taxes are going up, very dangerous. The government controls your life, incredibly dangerous. And China and Iran are on the move while we are in retreat. Well, you've made America a target, Biden. Disgusting. You need to be impeached. Let's see, Scalis. Uh, remains confident Republicans will ride this momentum into 2022 midterm elections as they look to regain control of the House. Gain that control. Get it back. Next up is positive news because we need to break up the seriousness of this podcast. I know I talk about a lot of serious issues, and I want to be able to make you smile or make you happy or hopeful or however you like to feel when you hear positive things. So, let's go to it. Alright, this one's about tigers if y'all like tigers, so you know. GPS tracking is helping tigers and humans coexist in Nepal. Earlier this week, we shared how AI tracking is saving elephant populations in Africa. Now it turns out that tech innovations could help protect tigers in Nepal in a very similar way. Significant progress has been made in wild tiger conservation in Nepal with the population doubling from 2009 to 2018, but the expansion of the of transportation networks significantly, or specifically roads um, and railways, poses a threat to this growth. 
researchers are particularly concerned about the specific mega highway under construction from the capital of Kathmandu and Nishda. Uh, I don't know if I said that right. To ensure tiger safety, researchers from the University of Michigan are working with Nepal Department of National Parks and Wildlife Conservation, the National Trust uh, for Nature Conservation, and the International Union for the Conservation of Nature in Nepal. Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> to place GPS collars on tigers living near roadways and uh, to understand how transportation infrastructure affects tiger biology and ecology. That's actually pretty cool. Um, I'm not really happy about tracking in general. I don't believe that people should be tracked, but as far as like pets and animals in order to kind of research like how um, they're treated in the wild now since a lot of countries now are starting to modernize a lot more, especially the rural ones. Rural, I, n I never was able to say that word. Rural less developed cities in, in countries, okay? Um, it's, it's hard for humans and animals, wild animals, to kind of coexist sometimes. So, um, I'm kind of glad that this science is directed towards animals more than humans right now. So, yeah, I don't believe in tracking humans. Leave us humans alone. But, with advanced GPS technology, uh, the team can see how tigers move around roads, how far they travel, and how these networks affect their behavior. Um, researchers are concerned about uh, both vehicle collisions with tigers as well as how busy roads affect their well-being and habitat. Uh, using this data, Nepal's environmental uh, organizations plan to represent a plan for more tiger-friendly uh, infrastructure expansion, which avoids critical habitat areas. It can also be used to build more effective wildlife crossing areas and even avoid negative uh, interactions between farmers and tigers by better uh, understanding their hunting strategies. Human population expansion poses a threat to wildlife, but uh, innovative technology is helping to provide a solution for helping humans and animals to live in harmony. That's pretty cool. I like that. Okay, I found one, and I think this might be one of the cutest articles I've ever seen, so let me read it real quick, because I just want to read it. It's so sweet. Um, a devoted... Oh, whoa, 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 hang on. It decided to do a little snapback for some reason. Um, elderly man gets lessons on hair and makeup to help his struggling wife. A devoted 79-year-old husband visited a beauty school to get lessons in hair and makeup to help his beautiful wife who can no longer get ready by herself. The gentleman uh, walked to Alberta's Del Mar College of Hair and Aesthetics um, and told director Carrie Hanna that he wanted to learn how to use the curling wand. His wife's vision 
was failing and he and she keeps burning herself as a result so uh, he has or he was looking for a few tips the man was paired with a student in mannequin and was taught how to operate the curling wand to protect his wife's skin this is so cute he also uh, asked for tips on applying her mascara uh, the adorable OAP also um, asked for tips on applying her mascara. Wait, we just... Okay. Carrie said, My staff and students were so touched by his sincere wish to help his wife of 50 plus years. Uh, he lovingly pulled pictures from his wallet uh, showing everyone his wife and boasted about how beautiful and talented she was and how she's always been. Uh, her appearance has always been something she has taken pride in and it's important to her, so therefore it's important to him. Aww. Uh, he is turning 80 in May and I think he is also a very brave man for stepping into a hair college and asking for lessons on styling hair as I don't think many men would do that. Um, in an age of staged social media photos, it was really great to see an authentic, real human uh, gesture of love. Aww. Let's see, since his initial visit with the... Wait, since his initial visit, both the man and his wife have visited the college to express their gratitude to everyone there. Carrie said they're both impressed with his new professional skills and her hair is looking great. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so beautiful. Aw. Men, take notes. This is what you do, okay? Alright, for all you stargazers out there, I had this is the third time I've read this, so you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna try to zip through this. Uh meteor shower from Halley's Comet set to peak in the night sky this week. This week will be treated to one of spring's best stargazing events as the ETA Aquarid 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 Meteor Shower lights up the skies. You want to set your alarm for before dawn on Wednesday, May 5th, as that's when the greatest number of meteors originating in the debris of trail of ice and rock particles from Halley's Comet will alight the night. The mornings of May 4th and May 6th are also set to have a decent number of meteors. So we have an extra day. Today's May 5th. So uh, tomorrow around dawn, go ahead and look outside your window for a light show. Uh, the Aquarids are famously fast, rushing into Earth's atmosphere of speeds around 148,000 miles per hour, 66 kilometers per second, according to NASA. Such meteors can leave glowing trains of light or incandescent bits of debris, which can be seen uh, for seconds or even minutes. Oh, 
we have this bird. Okay, I don't mean to interrupt the the article, but me and my husband, we have this bird that just likes to sit on our windowsills and chirp at us. Don't know why, but like I feed him bread and stuff, and he's at the living room window, just kind of like chirping away, and I'm just happy. I named him Hopper, so you know, he's cute. He deserves fame too. He's he's one of the mascots of Rogue Radio, Hopper the Sparrow. <laughs> okay. Uh, readers in Northern Hemisphere can expect around 10 meteors per hour at this peak, or at its peak in the north. The meteors are more likely to be seen as Earth grazers, shooting stars with long, bright trails that appear to graze the Earth as they streak across the sky from just below the horizon. The moon is pretty full this week as well, so the sky may be quite bright where you are impeding optimal meteor viewing still in uh, a little still with a little patience you should get a great show in the morning or in the coming nights um, just look east towards the Aquarius constellation specifically the ETA Aquari star and maybe get the wide angle lens ready so you can capture the event Cue the advertisement! (laughs) Alright, we're into world news now. My top three countries besides America that are listening are Australia, Belgium, and Ireland. And y'all are the stars of this segment. So yes, let's get into y'all's news so I can show you love and thank you to the other countries that have also been listening. We are 21 countries strong, and I'm very happy about that. I love you very much. Every country that is listening, every person that is listening, you make Rogue Radio. Alright? I'm just saying that. I love the fact that other countries are starting to listen to me. I started with 11 countries. Now, that is a big, big milestone for me. Uh, I want to say last year, um, I started with 11 countries that started listening. And then now I'm up to 21 now. And I'm very happy about that. And I just want to thank every person out there that is listening. Even in America, listen... You are amazing, and you actually make Rogue Radio how it is. And this is just my way of catering to the people that are listening. I love you very much. First off is Australian news. So, hang on. There's gonna be a video that plays, and I don't want it to. Oh, never mind. It's muted. Ha. Australian police arrested four men. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 
Ex-Australia test bowler McGill kidnapped for ransom. This was May 5th, 2021, so it was posted today. Um, Australian police arrested four men in uh, dawn raids in on Wednesday in connection with the alleged kidnap and assault of former t- uh, test cricketer Stuart McGill, uh, media reported. The 50-year-old former leg spinner was allegedly abducted near his home in Sydney on April 14th and taken to another part of the city where he was beaten and threatened with a gun, the media said. Uh, New South Wales State Police, who verified the abduction reports, but declined the identity of the victim and the man was freed an hour after his capture and no ransom was paid for this for his release um our belief is that the motive is purely financial he has or he was seen as someone that could get or that they could get money from sorry although uh no money was paid prior to him being released, Detective Acting Superintendent Anthony Holton told reporters on in Sydney. The victim did not sustain any serious injuries, but due to tra- the traumatic experience, he filed a police complaint six days after the attack, Holton said. Police said the victim knew one of his captors, four men, aged 27, 29, 42, and 46, were charged ahead of the court appearances on Wednesday, uh, where media reported they did not apply for bail. McGill uh, played 44 tests for Australia between 1998 to 2000 and 2008, sorry, and probably would have earned many more caps and had his career not uh, coincided with that of a fa- fellow spin bowler Shane Warren. Stewart's a wonderful former Australian cricketer and a member of the ACA Australian Cricketers Association Chief Executive Todd Greensburg told news uh, a news conference. My prayer my primary concern for Stuart today is his well-being. We've reached out to him and my primary message to him was to make sure that he was alright. I hope McGill uh, recovers mentally from this. Uh, I don't, I can't understand. I cannot express how terrifying that would be if I was in his situation. And I really hope that um, he does recover mentally from this and he keeps on doing what he loves. Alright, we're on to Ireland. Northern Ireland's violence is no surprise. The recent violence in Northern Ireland, Ireland has triggered a subtle shift in perspective regarding the possibility of a united Ireland. Every night of rioting and violence in the north, last week 
was another nail in the coffin of the campaign for a united Ireland. Every car set ablaze, every patrol bomb, or petrol bomb, bomb, petrol bomb, sorry, uh, thrown, every attack on a police vehicle, all the mayhem, uh, night after night confirmed in the minds of many people that in the people in the South that it would be mad for us to take the North on. People here looked at the news in horror and their reaction was all over the social medias. Why does it matter? Because it's just in the North and just North that a majority will be required to make a united Ireland happen. That's where the main focus has been all in the talk about border about a border poll uh, about the demographics showing the unionists losing their majority about the inevitability of the United Ireland because of Brexit the easy to forget reality however is that it's not just about having a vote in the north there also has to be a vote in the south and a majority of the people here would have to vote in favor of a united ireland too often that has been taken for granted but after the scenes we saw in belfast and other places in the north last week that's that is now much less certain People here have had a rude awakening. Why would we want to take such a risk? What is... What's in it for us? The romantic idea of reuniting the country still has powerful nostalgic appeal. But there is a growing awareness of far less romantic reality that could be involved. Last week's events crystallized uh, in the minds of many people here. For them, it's... Now very much a case of be careful what you wish for. This shift in attitude may be subtle, but it was definitely detectable here last week as people reacted reacted to what they were watching on TV every night. It was a mixture of disgust and disappointment, a feeling that people all... I'm sorry a feeling that despite all the talk of progress in the North is still the same with the potential for violence and mayhem lurking just below the surface. The benign narrative that has been fostered here in recent months seems far less convincing after last week. This suggested that the transition to a united Ireland could be peaceful, but eventually unionists would come around. They would realize that they have been betrayed by Boris Johnson, and they would see that their best interest would lie in joining the South. It would be difficult, and it would involve a lot of changes for us down here, but it could be done if there was respect and generosity on our side. This uh, article comes from Irish Central. Any of my Irish listeners, um, let me know if this is a reliable source. I am 
I don't live in Ireland, I don't know any uh, news platforms, just let me know uh, in my on my email address or on my Instagram, Twitter, let me know. Uh, the most frequently heard concern is this scenario was whether we would we could afford it whether we could pick up the 12 billion euros a year tab for the north currently being paid by britain there were also concerns expressed about security about these tended to or but these tended to be played down the argument was that it would be manageable if we could bring the bulk of moderate unionists on board. We could do that by showing them as well as offering a better economic future. We would be willing to reshape Ireland to accommodate them. Uh, what the past week has done is blow the cold air of reality through that warm wishful thinking. Whether we could afford it or not is no longer the main issue. Foremost in the minds of people in the South now is security. The far or the fear of what could happen, not just in the North, but also in the South of the United Ireland, is uh, if a United Ireland is forced on Unionists after an early border poll. The Loyalist fury last week was shocking, but was also very disturbing was the confrontations between gangs of youths from both sides of the sectarian divide um, at the same or at some of the peace walls in Belfast. I'm so sorry. Um, like the attacks on the police, it is investigated, or isn't it? It's instigated loyalist gangs uh, with petrol bombs uh, being lobbed over peace walls and groups of nationalist youth youths in the on the other side. But the youths in nationalist enclaves uh, seemed ready to take them on, and to riot and attack the police as well. Now 23 years since Good Friday, the Good Friday Agreement came into being. The anniversary was last Saturday, so most of these rioters were not even born at that time. Um, they have grown up in peace, yet the naked hatred and extreme violence they were showing for the police and the opposite side last week was terrifying. In recent years, the, the peace walls and the murals of gunmen on gable walls have become tourist attractions in the north. All that was over, we were told. How long is this? Oh, it's, it's almost over. I'm sorry. I just want to be able to read it without kind of tripping over my words. But if they want an example of how nationalists are winning, there is the <laughs> there is the way Sinn Féin flouted the COVID rules. I don't even know. 
to hold a mass funeral for the IRA gunman Bobby Story uh, and got away with it. One law for everyone else, but not for Sinn Féin, because the authorities are afraid of confronting them. That's how loyalists see it. And on top of all that, there is the campaign for a border poll and the possibility of being pushed into a united Ireland. As loyalists see it, the border uh, down the Irish Sea is partition in the UK, something we in the republics should understand. They see this as a fight for their right to remain British, to keep their culture and traditions their way of life. Uh, It goes to the core of who they are, and that is why they exploded in frustration last week. It may have been unexpected, but we should have seen it coming. So, if I'm correct, uh, Sinn Féin is um, someone in history that I've learned about, but I don't know everything because I'm not, I'm not Irish. Well, I mean, I'm technically part Irish, but I don't even, I don't live in Ireland. That's what I'm trying to say. I do know that there have been some, uh, a lot of protests and a lot of, um, riots ever since, um, I want to say in the 90s when um, a lot of differences started kind of butting heads because I know that um, Derry was one of the big um, cities in Northern Ireland that um, British and the Irish were kind of fighting about because um, if you guys don't know, Northern Ireland has either previously or is still owned by the UK, and because of this, British traditions and uh, customs and cultures have been kind of blanketed upon that territory because Britain owned it. And because of that, they uh, there's two types of people that are kind of um, fighting for a one Ireland for Ireland to be just a whole country. And um, we have the South, which is like the Southern um, Irish, and then we have the Northern Irish, who have a lot of British um, influence. And so we know that as far as this article has told us, um, anybody from Ireland that is listening, you have every right to educate me, so just email me. Um, But you have the Northern Irish who have these British principles and British way of thinking, but you also have the Irish in the South that want Northern Ireland to be a part of the real, like, the whole Ireland. And because of the differences in the things that they've been introduced to, like, in Northern Ireland, I don't think that's gonna happen just because they have a British mindset, but, um, that's what happens when, um, certain countries have 
uh, certain territories and they have a certain influence on a group of people or a territory, so to speak. Because it's it's just how it is. Um, when a country owns a certain territory of another country, their influence is going to be prominent. And because of this, we have riots going on. There's people in the north that want to stay Northern Ireland, and then there's people in the south that want Northern Ireland to be part of Ireland again. But, yes, that's what's going on. There was a tendency there last week to search for other explanations. It was claimed that a lot of trouble was being orchestrated by loyalist drug gangs who don't want their shipments from the UK to be disrupted by checks uh, at the ports uh, and that could well be a factor. There was also the claim that it was just teenagers who were out of control and don't understand what they are doing. But this is, but this is to ignore the wider concerns um, among loyalists and even moderate unionists is true to the Democratic Unionist Party supported Brexit and that the Northern Ireland Protocol uh, is an unforeseen consequence of that. But it's not much use uh, it's not much use to us saying they now have to suck it up. The reality is that it took them and their supporters some time to understand what uh, what was involved. Before and after during the Brexit deal, Johnson was telling them not to worry about a border in the Irish Sea. And then he let them down and decided to implement one. <clears throat> the horror being expressed here last week um, at the outbreak of violence in the North is a bit hollow in one way. The reason there could not be a land border in Ireland, we told everyone, was because of the threat of Republican violence. The danger of starting up the war in the North again, then the Tauish Leo Vardkar I'm sure I mispronounced that, even went to an EU meeting with pictures of bombings during the Troubles to show them what was at stake. I'm sorry if I'm reading this very slow. It's just a lot to read. I'm not a very good reader, <laughs> so uh, we uh, so we got our way thanks to the threat of violence instead a land border. The solution came to a border down the Irish Sea. Okay, now the loyalists are using the same tactic to threat violence to get rid of it from their uh, perspective. There is no difference and they see our horror as hypocrisy. At some point, the sooner the better, the EU will have to uh, intervene in the mess to soften the impact of the protocol to get rid of it altogether. Checks on goods 
moving between Britain and the North will need to be minimal and or abandoned. Goodness gracious. Another way of protecting the single market will have to be found. Perhaps the answer lies in the combination of very minimal spot checking both at ports in the north and the and on land in Ireland. Uh, it's not something we want, but it's a price we may have to pay to stay in the single market and to preserve peace in the north. That's, I'm really sorry that um, Northern Ireland and even Southern Ireland is, is kind of going through this. I know that there are two very different uh, perspectives of the situation, and I personally won't be having an opinion about this. I just hope everybody stays safe. Uh, if you want to protest, go ahead and protest. Just please don't do it violently. I know there's a lot of anger there. I know there's a lot of differences and hypocrisy there. But just know that violence does not solve anything. Okay, um, this one is all over Google, so we're gonna um, read it. A Belgian farmer accidentally moved the French border. Oh no. A farmer in Belgium inadvertently changed geography by moving his country's border with France. Oh no. The farmer is di- is was driving a tractor and apparently got annoyed by a large stone blocking his path. BBC News reports. Uh, so he slightly moved it. <laughs> Another person recently walking in the forest noticed the stone had been moved. The history enthusiast knew it wasn't just any stone. It was there to mark the boundary between the two countries. The marker had moved about 7.5 feet, according to BBC News, effectively giving Belgium more land. Hey! <laughs> He made Belgium bigger and France smaller. <laughs> it's not a good idea, David Levax, mayor of the Belgian village of uh, Erquelians, I hope I said that right, uh, told French TV uh, channel TF1. The, uh, the move could cause a problem for private landowners and neighboring countries. Laval said, uh, but people in the in Belgium and France had a good laugh over it. I was happy my town is, was bigger, the mayor said, laughing. But the mayor of... Let me see if I can pronounce this. Bourgogne sur roc didn't agree. I don't even know if I said that right. I'm really sorry. Uh, the mayor of... A neighboring French village told La Voix du Nord, uh, we, <laughs> we should be able to avoid a new border war, BBC News reports. France and Belgium are a 390-mile share, a 390-mile border, which was established under a 1820 treaty um, signed after Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo five years earlier. 
The stones were placed when the border was first uh, decided in 1890. Belgian authorities planned on simply contacting the farmer and asking him to return the stone, but if he doesn't, the Belgian Foreign Ministry could open a Franco-Belgian border commission, something that hasn't happened since 1930, according to BBC News. The farmer could also face criminal charges if he doesn't comply. Uh, if he shows goodwill, he won't have a problem. We will settle this issue amicably, Laveau uh, told Belgian news website Studentfo. That's kind of funny, though. I hope, I honestly hope the the uh, farmer did move the stone back, because you don't want that type of diff like problem on your hands just because you're trying to tend to your crops or tend to your land. Um, I do kind of understand, though, because sometimes it can be annoying just to have something just sticking out of the ground, but uh, I think you're going to have to grin and bear it, my friend, because that's the French border. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that one's pretty funny, pretty interesting. Alright, everybody, before I leave, it's time for the Renegade shout-out. My husband has recently made his own podcast, and he is doing great. I hope y'all can go over to my husband's lovely um, anchor page and give him a listen and give him some love. He's a really good guy. He's a really good man of God. He's going to talk about some good stuff because he's really passionate about it. And that's it. I will see you in the trenches next time. Love you. Bye.